I was in college when Amy Grant wrote that song. Remember when it came out on an album? It's in the hymnal. Does that mean songs written today are going to be in the hymnal in 40 years? Maybe so. But it says, my heart forever is wandering. I sang that back when I was a teenager. And it seems to have gotten no better. You feel the same way sometimes? From dust to disciples, really? Or sometimes do we feel like the dust is winning? How's our discipleship going? Hope this has been a good Lent for you. Tonight we're going to talk about the power of discipleship. What gives us the capacity for anything good to happen? And are we accessing that power the way we should? I'm going to let Martin Luther lead us in prayer. Would you pray with us, please? Come, holy fire, our true comfort. Grant us the will to do your work and to remain in your service. Don't let trials distract or divert us. Lord, by your power, prepare each heart and give strength to our weakness that we may contend for you bravely here in this life and in death ascend to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, here we are. God remembers we are but dust. That's us, the dusty ones. And yet he calls us to be his disciples, which is an amazing thing. And I wonder how in the world he's going to pull that off. I don't think I can pull it off on my own. What kind of power is there that allows us to become his disciples? And so first, my first thought when I was given this topic, I thought, I remember that time when Jesus pulled his disciples together and said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them what, everything that I have commanded you. But his first words were, go, go. But then in Acts chapter 1, it's almost like Jesus says the, the totally different thing. He says, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth like I told you on the mountain earlier. Go, but wait. Which is it? Go or wait? I want you to go, but first stay because you need what? Power. To go do this on your own would turn you into an Old Testament Jew just trying to do good works without the empowerment of God. We'd just be doing our very best, which is not good enough. We'd be doing this confession of sin over and over and over again with no hope of anything else happening in our life. The Word of God says in the book of Romans that we are incapable of doing anything good. So that would seem futile. You must have the power given to you by God to see any of this happen. And what is the source of that power? The spirit of power, the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, they waited. Then it says in Acts chapter 2, suddenly, after waiting for, for a good season, praying in the upper room together, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And after some praise in all different tongues that all these different people there on the day of Pentecost understood, and the proclamation of the word of God by the apostle Peter, there was a piercing of the heart going on. I believe it's a move of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. It says that when they heard this, this word, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You've had this incredible experience. Tongues of fire have fallen upon you. A miracle is happening before our very eyes. And you say in your gospel message that Jesus Christ died and it's really our fault. What must we do? And Peter says, love this, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's for you too indispensable for the disciples who were to go into all the world, but indispensable for any one of us who wants to be a follower of Jesus. And I know for some of you this is very rudimentary, but it's a good reminder tonight that the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. Without the Holy Spirit, nothing is possible. He who has the Spirit has life. He who has, does not have the Spirit does not have life. It's as simple as that. Lent is a terrible season if you don't have the Holy Spirit. You think, I'd kind of like to live a little better during this season. I'm going to give something up for Lent. I'm going to focus on maybe moving forward in the righteousness of my life. No way if you don't have the Holy Spirit. If you have a Bible, I'm going to look at Romans 7 and Romans 8 here. I'm going to jump around quite a bit. You're going to have to turn pretty quick. But in Romans 7, chapter uh, chapter 7, verse 15, Paul makes the point that we are unable to do anything good Without the Spirit. Chapter 7, verse 15 says, I don't understand my own actions. I don't do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Verse 18, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. That sounds pathetic. (laughs) Sounds awful. Sounds like anybody trying to, trying to become a better person without any power to do it. But you go on to chapter 8, and it's much better news in chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 4 says, The righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled in us who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There it is again, verse 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, and verse 26 says, The Spirit helps us. In our weakness, Galatians 5.16 says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's right there. The power of our discipleship is in the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit. I mentioned uh, when I was younger, um, okay, I'm off notes now, but when when I was young, I got saved at a church, a fundamentalist Christian church in Southern California. And they believed in the word of God and the truth of the scriptures and following hard after Jesus, but they never talked about the Holy Spirit much. But I had some friends. I was in a Christian rock band back then. I was. I admit it. I had a mullet. It was not good. (laughs) But during those days, I, um, I got to know these guys, and they all seemed really upbeat and happy, and they invited me to their church, and it was one of those charismatic churches where they talked about nothing but the Holy Spirit. And they would pray and sing to the Spirit. And they would even speak in tongues at these gatherings. And I didn't know what in the world was going on. I was a young believer. All I knew is it seemed like they had a lot more life. 
And ever since that time, I thought, I want to have the Holy Spirit too. And I remember attending a number of different types of churches that would encourage having the Holy Spirit. But how do you get the Holy Spirit? If you want to have power for your discipleship, how do you know that you've got the Spirit in you? Do you know? Is it manifesting itself to you in power? And what would the means be? If somebody came up to you and said, I'd like to have the Holy Spirit, how do I get him? What would you say? So I thought about this because I went to a lot of evangelical churches. I even pastored a few where most of the people feel like if I just close my eyes and if there's some music and get the fog machine going and I lift my hands and I sway a little bit, And if we sing a song and repeat the chorus about 20 times, somewhere in the midst of that experience, the Holy Spirit shows up. But we've got to do that. You know what that's like? It's like Eastern religion. It's like meditating on a mantra. It's like just waiting. And and the Holy Spirit, as, as vapor and ether, comes directly into your soul. And, whoa, I'm filled now. And then, and then, other things might happen if the Holy Spirit comes. So I was at a lot of church services that are like that. A lot of churches these days seek after the Holy Spirit in that way. But how does the Word of God say that we can access the Holy Spirit? And I'm going to get all good and Lutheran on you now for you, uh, for you old-time Lutherans. You know how? In our baptism. Oh, I heard an amen. That's like a baptism. A baptuthran right there, uh, kind of both and. In our baptism, and you might say, well, how, how does that happen? Martin Luther said, Christians always have enough to do to believe firmly what baptism promises and brings. It's a, no, no pun intended, baptism is a deep well of truth for us. And the key to baptism is, what makes baptism so powerful? Do you know? What's the phrase? I see some former pastors in here who would know. What is it? The Word of God. Absolutely. And so the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. What's the relationship between the Word of God and the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. 1 John 5, verse 6 says, The Spirit is truth. They're one and the same. John 6, 63 It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Spirit and word. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And then Ephesians chapter 6 says, The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. The Holy Spirit and the word of God. The powerful word is is the power, and specifically the power of our baptism. Martin Luther again. May I quote him yet again? Baptism is not simply plain water. Instead, it is water enclosed in God's command and connected with God's word. Clearly, the water does not do it. But the word of God, which is within and among the water, and faith, which trusts this word of God in the water. That's Luther. So the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, that inseparable relationship of Word and Spirit, when we are baptized, we are immersed into the very power of God for our life. Now, 
we can be disciples. That's baptism. By the way, that happened the day you were baptized. Do you believe that? That happens when we baptize here on Sunday morning. You go, oh, isn't that nice? They wear their nice outfits, and that's so cute when the baby's head gets wet and Alan gets all embarrassed and misses the name. You never do that, right? I'm just kidding. (laughs) But no, when that's going on, a miracle is taking place. The power of God is being transmitted into a life that is powerless and now becomes powerful and can now be a disciple. Now, that is exciting stuff. That's also why the Apostle Peter on that day in Acts chapter 2 said, Repent and be baptized, all of you, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The very Holy Spirit we were waiting for, you can have that Holy Spirit too. Don't go, stay. Don't go until you have the Spirit. But now that you have the Spirit, you may go. And you may go and you can be a disciple. And you couldn't before, but now you can But I want to turn one other corner here. I'll be a little shorter tonight than I usually am. Praise the Lord. He answers prayer. Um, I heard clapping back there. Goodness sake. Next week I'll go for three minutes and there'll be a standing ovation probably. Our baptism, and here again is why it's a deep well. Not only do we receive the power of God in the promise of the word of God when we're baptized by the promise of Jesus that this is what happens in that sacrament, but another thing happens. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14 says this, for in one spirit we are all baptized into one body and all were made to drink of the one spirit for the body does not consist of one member but many. Want to experience the Holy Spirit? Go to church. The Spirit is active there in ways that he's not when you're alone. More of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to crack your Bible there, I'm going to start in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. So this is what the Spirit of God is up to in the church. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are variety of activities, but it's the same God. See what he did there? A little Trinitarian reference, but leading with the Spirit. These are spiritual gifts, but the Lord and God the Father are all a part of this process. You bump into the Trinity by the power of the Holy Spirit through this giftedness that happens in the church. God, who empowers them all, okay, there's power again, in everyone, Sorry, I, I got ahead of myself. There are varieties of... Uh, the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Where's the Holy Spirit manifested? In each one of you. For you? Oh, I just want the Holy Spirit so all feels so good, so he'll empower me. Do you ever think that maybe God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit for the person sitting next to you and not just for you? The Holy Spirit is alive when the church comes together, which is fascinating to me. Verse 11 says, well, actually, verse 8 lists a bunch of things. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits, tongues, interpretation, all these different kinds of gifts. Then in verse 11, it says, all these are empowered. There's that power again. By one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You can't escape this. 
when you got baptized and became a believer in Christ, he pumped you full of gifts, not just for you, but for your neighbor. And the people around you, look out, look around. It's like Christmas morning, and this is under the tree here. Each person here is a gift to you. Some of you say, I believe I am God's gift to the church. <laughs> and you are correct. If we can only understand this, we're baptized into this body, and the power of the Holy Spirit is here. And every individual is a conduit for that power for yourself and for others. Think of the person you dislike the most in this church. <laughs> Are you really asking me to think that? <laughs> Write it down and place it in the offering plate later. We, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the person you can't stand, the person you wish, oh, if, if only one person could never come to this church again, they, they offended you or they bother you by the way they talk or they preach too long, whatever it is that bothers you about them, <laughs> stop and think, that person has got something for me. God has blessed them with gifts for me and you for them, which is why it's so important that we keep relationships reconciled, that we not carry grudges, that we bump up against each other all the time and that our fellowship is pure and sweet because as soon as that goes away, we start losing the power God has given us to fulfill our discipleship and reach the world for Christ. Which is interesting to me because... There's people who say, I like to go to church, but I like to sit alone in the back so I can sneak out and not have to deal with anybody. I certainly don't want to shake hands with anybody at the door. What are you talking about? The power of the Holy Spirit is here amongst all the people, and you're intentionally trying to miss it? I'm going to skip church altogether and just watch it online or watch a TV show. Are you kidding? I, don't, I mean, the Holy Spirit's powerful, but that ain't fellowship watching a TV or watching a screen, you're missing something fabulous for yourself and also denying what you have for others. Some people believe this or not. I can hardly believe that this is true. There are people who would say, you're my brother in Christ, but because you like different music than me, I'd rather you worship over there and I'll worship over here. Can you imagine such a thing ever happening? We were missing each other because of musical preference, because of what's, what, could, what could possibly tempt us away from the fulfillment of the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out into the community. And by the way, that's one of the jobs of leadership here. So those of you who are leaders in the church, those of you who stir the pot of fellowship, it is so important. That meal tonight was so important, not just because it was delicious and because it was pleasant to be together, but I got to hang out with June. And June blessed me and encouraged me and told me stories of faith. And I am stronger, I'm more empowered because of June. And the same thing happens whenever we get together. We're like embers in your in your uh, barbecue. You take this one and this one, you stick them together, they start warming up and ooh, now, we, now this is a powerful mix. That's what happens when we're church and we let the littlest things get in our way of experiencing that, which is crazy. And by the way, when we are together and we are hot and we are encouraged and we are powerful in the Holy Spirit together and a guest walks in, there's nothing like it. 
I don't care, the sermon could be bad, the music could be terrible, the bulletin could have typos. Well, not in this church ever, but I'm just Brenda. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm serious. That is the most powerful witness to the world when the church is being the church like the church can be the church. Ah, and there's power there for our discipleship. We would all be so much better as we mix it up like that. Let me just close with this. The dustiness of our flesh, it's just, for me, it's just too real. And I need all the help I can get if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. I need the power of discipleship. So I need to live out my baptism. I need to, like Luther said, believe it and explore its promises. I need to be immersed in his word by his spirit. And I need to be immersed in this body of Christ in order to be strong. So I'd encourage you on both of those lines that uh, we can't crawl back into the baptistry again. But what's the key component of the baptistry? The word of God. You can crawl into that anytime. And you can crawl into the life of the church at an increasing, deeper level and experience power there. And that's power worth living for. Let me, pr- let me pray for you. And if it's okay, I'm going to pray from the scriptures. You've already heard it read, but I want to pray it over you as well as pray a little something from Romans chapter 15. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love together, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.